Hello and welcome everybody to Alters and Oilt Reloaded. It's a nice sunny morning for me right now out at Port Ferry in the Gumtree Caravan Park. What about you, Alters? Still in the... Uh... Still in Brunswick at the moment, sitting in the front room in a comfy chair with the light streaming in. It's a beautiful morning. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, um... Here with my running water. Do you have running water? I do. I've got running water. I've got amenities, and I've been taking very good care of these amenities all week. And I come back to some moron has left his mess all over my barbecue. Your barbecue? Oh. Well, the barbecue. But I, I, well, I cleaned it. I spent like 20 minutes cleaning it after I used it. And then you come back well, and, you, go, and you see Go find messing. him. Go push him around. Go start a fight. There is a car here with the number plate mean and then some letters. I'm not going to reveal their number, their full number plate. I, I figure it might be there. Like- M-E-A-N? Yeah, like a, a meanie sort of thing. They might just be like a maths enthusiast, like a, a statistician. <laughs> they could be. Look at also, you, not... making assumptions, judging books by their covers. Oh, well, I mean, if they're advertising it, but look, you're right, they could be a mathematician. But the bottle bin was full as well. What, what, what you do, go to a local Bunnings or hardware store or whatever, go... Get some of that um, expanding foam that you can get to patch holes and stuff, and do that in their um, their tailpipe. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And like, try and just you know tie a canvas around the back end, or tape it up with gaffer tape or whatever, just to hold it in there so it has so it expands outwards. Hopefully. Okay. I'm not going to do this, but um, because that, well, I could, you're I, a I could do it. No, I could do it and then just edit this bit out. No, no. <laughs> True. No. It would be the perfect crime. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to get caught. Well, no yeah. one wants to get caught. <laughs> Some people do. Losers. Yeah. Or, the, you know, the people that just, yeah, losers, you're right. Yeah, I'm usually right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, actually, I would also like to discuss... Uh, which does tie into today's episode. And nobody knows what the episode is because whoever voted just voted for just winging it. Was that you? That might have been me. I can't remember. We only got one vote. Our listeners, I'll tell you what, our listeners, they're hungry, but they're lazy. I uploaded the Fury Road episode and in 15 minutes, it already had 20 downloads. Well, maybe they just get, maybe they're not on Twitter. Maybe we've got like a a real Uh, uh, boomer following. No, but I had five interactions with that post and 91 people looked at it. What are you doing? Nothing. Nothing. What are they doing? All right. Maybe we can do another attempt at getting people to vote on Tuesday after the pod drops on Monday. So they've got plenty of time to hear this. Possibly. One one more chance. (laughs) (laughs) They're lazy, but they're hungry. That's That's what it looks like. Like the wolf. Now, where was I? I was going to mention conflict because of today's topic. And what I witnessed the other day was a bit of conflict. In a paddock next door to where I'm staying, about 20 magpies. Yeah, they were magpies. We're just picking on one magpie. Like, what did he, I don't know what what did he do? Doing. I don't know. They're just all trying to kill him. And then Holly wasn't having it. She's like, no, no, leave him alone. Started throwing rocks at him and stuff. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Leave them alone. It's the law. The law of the bird. You don't understand the law. You're messing with things you don't understand. Aren't you supposed to not interfere with that sort of stuff? I mean, it's what um, nature documentary makers and journalists do. Like, you can't interfere. You just got to let it happen. No matter how bad things are, you can't interfere. No, no, no. Nature documentary people, they're full of shit. They will you know, put cow carcasses out there and stuff. And they're just like, oh, look at these vicious wolves. And they get the shot and then they just leave. That's different. The cow's already dead. I mean, like actual things that are happening out there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, no, conflict's a good segue into our topic, which we've gone with the Israeli-Palestine uh, conflict. Yeah, I mean, that's been pretty big news over the last week or so. Are you across what's happening at the moment? I, not currently. I know there's been conflict there since, 
what, the late 60s? Nah, just, just say forever. There's been a conflict there forever. <laughs> True, but I mean like the current one. Nah, nah, longer than the 60s. <laughs> longer than that? Longer, longer than that. Um, well, that was the applicate. Op- I, op- 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 I sort of looked at it. Sorry. Were there words there? there well, I was trying to say op. op-, op- you can't, oh, I can't say it. I can't say it today. It's too early. Occupation? Yeah. Of the West Bank. Thank you. That so I think was it's in a the little, late 60s. It's a bit more in-depth than that, I think. Um, so okay. what I sort of did was looked back over it. Uh, starting in 1917 during World War One, mm-hmm. But let's go over what's going on at the moment in uh, Israel and Palestine. So there's been a lot of recent fighting at the moment. So it's led to a lot of airstrikes from Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's left over 200 dead in the uh, 200 dead Palestinians. And it started off after some recent heavy-handed police tactics at a mosque during Ramadan Mm -hmm. and Palestinian families being threatened with eviction to make way for Israeli settlers. So Israel says it's targeting Hamas but are hitting lots of hospitals, shops, other civilian targets with its strikes. Um, And in retaliation to this, Hamas uh, fired off, as, as they always do, tons and tons and tons of homemade rockets into... Israeli occupied areas, uh, and I think they've killed about a dozen people. Okay. So it's a fairly standard pattern over the last, what, 20, 30 years of whether it be Israel starting conflicts or Hamas starting conflicts. There's very clear disparity in the abilities of those two groups. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in between. 2009 and 2020, 70% of Israel's arms have been bought from the US. Uh, and just recently, they've um, passed or they've purchased, what is it, $735 million of arms from the US, just in one big bulk sale. So, um, it's, it's, and that's for smart missile technology. So, it's very big gap between the two groups. Hmm, that's a lot of weapons. And then, you know where my brain goes? I wonder if they have coupons. Do they do sales? Is there a website? <laughs> that's a fair question. I mean, is that how, um, is it, what's the Nicolas Cage movie where he's an arms dealer? War Dogs uh, or no? Or is it God of War or Lord. Dog of War? Lord, Lord of War. That's a, I knew there was a show in there somewhere. Well, it, it, isn't the whole thing with that like it, he had, um, surplus Russian or Soviet era military equipment, then he mm-hmm. just started selling that. So maybe there is like surplus sales. Maybe. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, you know, this is the old stock. We've got to get rid of it. Who can we sell it to? That sort of. Yeah. The thing. US and is then... the, the heart and soul or home of capitalism. I mean, that's a great way to, you know, make revenue. Anyway, so that's yeah. what's happening at the moment. So I didn't really know much about uh, Palestine and Israel beyond that they don't like each other and there's disputed territories and Israel is in control of the area, essentially. What was your understanding of it? Oh, I just thought there was, from what I can tell, it's been a, like you're saying, since like the start of time, there's always been conflict there and it's tied to... I guess a lot of it's tied to ideologies as well. I think it stemmed from a lot of religious conflicts. Yeah. So the research I did, I sort of jumped on the Wikipedia Wikipedia Israel page mm-hmm. and sort of started looking at other things from there, using it as a launching off point. So in 1917, the British government, it was in the sort of not toward... Well, at the time, they wouldn't have called it towards the end of the First World War. It was during a bit of a a stalemate where I think Russia had just pulled out because they were dealing with their own revolution. Um, The US was yet to enter the war uh, and, well, was yet to enter the war fully and really commit to it. So it was just a bit of a stalemate between Britain and those uh, Western powers and, you know, uh, Germany, the Ottoman Empire, etc. So they, um, 
issued the Balfour Declaration, which supported the establishment of a home for Jewish people in Palestine, a Jewish state in Palestine. So it was largely a tactical decision to gain support from the Jewish community for the war all Mm -hmm. over the world and also to destabilise the Ottoman Empire in that region. So that's where the first sort of notion of a Jewish state in Palestine being uh, conceived that I sort of came across. Came came across. across. Okay. I'm sure there might have been earlier ones, but that's like the first one that I could find on the, the world stage. Okay. So they've set that up, you said, towards the end of the First World War? So that's what that, So they didn't necessarily set anything up towards the end of the First World War. Um, that was just when that declaration was made that they believe there should be a Jewish state in what was then Palestine. Okay. So that sparked after World War One. There was a lot of anti-Semitism within Europe just because there was always anti-Semitism in Europe. Um, and it started to ramp up in the 1930s with the rise of Nazism in Germany. Uh, so there was a, a lot of immigration to Palestine by uh, by Jews. Uh, okay, yeah, to escape. And that's war, when that, that population sort of started to rise. Well, between the First World War and the Second World War and after, there was steady sort of immigration to that area to try and make a... Because it was seen as a possible... Jewish state or future Jewish state. Yeah. So then everything happened with World War Two, which we're all very aware of. And in that area, after World War Two, fighting started between Arab Palestinians and Jewish Palestinians, uh, and the British forces were caught in the middle trying to maintain order. So the the way it worked in Palestine, even though there was a rising Jewish population, it was still an Arab-controlled region predominantly, uh, and most of the population was Arab. So that's where you get your two sides there. Not so much... At the time, it wasn't Palestinians and Jews. It was Arab Palestinians and Jewish Palestinians. Okay. So sort of two ethnic groups within the country. So British had control over Palestine after, uh, I think it was, well, after World War One, they gained control over uh, Palestine through some sort of UN um, mandate as part of the Ottoman Empire's surrender. So, But they were making those declarations even before then. So then they sort of got control of the area and as the Jewish population's risen and after World War II, the Jews and the Arabs are at each other's throats. So because the Arab population there was insisting that the British put immigration limits on the number of Jews coming into the country. So obviously this was at a pretty difficult time considering that immigration had steadily been rising throughout that period and then World War Two happened and it was skyrocketing, you know, Holocaust survivors heading to a great new Jewish state where they could hopefully get a better life and get security and be with their own people. So the British were forced to agree to those demands and they ended up detaining a lot of uh, new immigrants in uh, detention centres. Okay. So that gave rise to Jewish paramilitary groups opposed to this, and they started a guerrilla warfare to gain control of the country or force the release of these uh, Jewish immigrants in these detention centres. So the most notable of these were the Haganah and the Irgun. So I think Haganah, um, I've closed that tab, means uh, the defence or the defence force in Hebrew. And they were the largest main body. And the Irgun were more of a... I think Haganah was initially uh, formed as a really a, a, a almost not private police force, but a specific police force for Jewish communities, a Jewish defence force for Jewish communities because they were still quite small. They were a minority still. So they felt they needed a, a more specific force for them and it was I mean it was a volunteer thing as well um, but then there was the Irgun who were more of a terrorist organization at the time um, and they were one of the big things that they did they um, uh, took two British sergeants hostage in a prison break and then um, they demanded that I think three of their compatriots not be executed by the British I'm not sure what for the British executed them and then they um, killed the two hostages and hung their bodies from trees and booby-trapped them so that uh, other people were injured when they tried to cut them down. 
Well, just I didn't know my morning. This was how my morning was going to be. Good thing I made a coffee. That's that's pretty full on. Yeah, so it things are pretty pretty wild. There's a lot going on there, and a lot of interests between two ethnic groups, or a lot of opposing interests for two ethnic groups trying to. Okay. I suppose you could look at it as the Arabs are trying to maintain control of the region, and the Jews were trying to get a foothold in the region and establish a home or Jewish state. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, feelings, qualms. Uh, my main question is, where do we stand now? What's happening now? So there's a bit more to um, there's a bit more to play out because uh, that so that was up until 1948. So in 1948, oh sorry, 1947, sorry. So in 1948, Britain released its control over Palestine. Okay. Um, Can you imagine they, the, they, the, the the tension or the, the like? Because the communication wouldn't be like it is today, would it either? Nah, it would have so, been much slower. A lot of in person meetings. Um, that would have taken a long time to organise. Um, and at the same time, you've got the UN, the newly formed United Nations that formed after World War II, chirping in and putting in their two cents. The British are still putting in their two cents and getting information from Britain and policies being made there. So it would have been pretty pretty tense. So by... So by 1948, Britain said, look, we're out, we're done. They knew before then that this is getting out of hand. It's expensive for us to keep a, a large garrison here to maintain order. Um, there's a cost to, you know, British lives. Uh, and the Jews and the Arabs are not coming to the table to negotiate or they're not mm-hmm. seeing eye to eye. They're not even trying. So they tried to facilitate negotiations between the Arabs and the Jews but the Arabs would not accept any Jewish state in Palestine. The Jews were happy to have a Jewish state, so they split Palestine and one state is Jewish and one state is Arab. Okay. But the Arabs were not happy for any Jewish state in Palestine and demanded Arab rule in a unified Palestine. The Jews wouldn't agree to this either. At the end of um, 1947, though, out of frustration, the UN adopted uh, Resolution 181, which divided Palestine into Jewish and Arab states with, I think, Jerusalem in the middle as sort of like a uh, a region for both of them. So, like, they share that. Like a neutral it's, zone Because, like you were saying, thing. it's a... Yeah, like a neutral zone sort of thing, but a neutral zone with access for both sides, not like a demilitarized zone in Korea. Yeah. The Jews were happy with this, um, because I mean, it was one of the. Th- it was something they were trying to attain. They were getting their Jewish state. The Arabs were not happy with this though, because they saw it as they're losing their state that was rightfully theirs and had been theirs for a long time before that. Um, oh, why so can't the Arab people just share, oh, share, be kind, get rid of all the weapons. That's not how it works. Is you it? know, that's not how people. No, I know. The Jews were like, yep, we're cool with that. The Arabs said, uh-uh, 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 girlfriend. Um, <laughs> and they they rejected that. And they said there will never be a Jewish state in Palestine. This is an Arab state. So they rejected that and they ordered a three-day strike of all Arabs. I, apparently they can do that. They had that, <laughs> that influence. <laughs> Everyone tools down for three days. And that led to widespread rioting and attacks on Jewish communities. And it eventually just escalated to a full-on civil war. So obviously... I, um, so at this stage, the Arabs still had a majority population in the country, but the Jews had formed these paramilitary groups that we were talking about and uh, what was the first one? The, the Haganah, their sort of specific or private defence force that they had. So they were able to f- push back quite hard and go on the offensive and they forced hundreds of thousands of Arabs uh, into exile and essentially took control of the region. Hmm. And... the the day before the British rule was set to be released or uh, before this, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Re- Resolution 181 was meant to come into effect. The day before that was meant to start and Britain was meant to go hands off. Uh, the Jews essentially declared uh, all of Palestine was now a Jewish state and that's when we started calling it Israel or you could have started calling it Israel or when they started calling it Israel. And then the next day, Britain says, yep, so we're done. We're out. And then immediately after that, okay, so <laughs> let's just pause here for a second. Thoughts, feelings, qualms. As in a literal pause? Or just no, 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 a, like, 
pause in my storytelling. <laughs> I didn't know storytelling had pauses. Um, of course it does. Kids are constantly going up to go to the toilet, get drinks of water, get snacks, true. get distracted, all that stuff. This is true. Um, it is none. It's very, this is a complicated thing. Yeah. And I'm not even going to go past like the 1970s. <laughs> gets more complicated after this, man. I feel so like far, there's I, like, I feel like so it's far we've got three major characters. There's about to get like, Six more? I feel like, how do we fix six? But you're just going to add more complexity to it. No, no, I'm just going to add fuel to this fire. Oh. Okay, so... so wait, what, era, after, what era are we in at the moment? We're still in 1948. We're still there. <laughs> All right. We're not done with 1948. It was a big year. <laughs> right. So after 1940... So immediately after Britain pissed off... Four neighboring Arab countries invaded Israel. So Egypt, Syria, Jordan, and Iraq all uh, invaded Israel together and annexed some territory before a ceasefire was declared after a year of fighting and new borders were drawn. So they looked at it as preserving or like maintaining order in the region. Uh, But the Jews looked at it as they're trying to eliminate us. This is, they're going to try and eliminate us just like Hitler and the Nazis Mm -hmm. did. No, 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 we're not standing for this. Um, So despite there being four countries against them, they must have put up a hell of a fight to get a ceasefire after a year, and they lost some territory, but uh, you could probably call that a success. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So from then until the 70s, Israel put a big focus on Jewish immigration to Israel, uh, including some sort of undercover clandestine observations of regions to identify oppressed Jews and facilitate their escape to Israel. So between 48 and 1970, I think the source that I found, over 1.1 million Jews immigrated to Israel by 1970. Mm. So they put a massive focus on bringing people home to that Jewish state, that Jewish homeland. And so during that stage also, you would have some, this is when you might have started seeing some of the uh, Palestinians being moved or, well, some of the Arab Palestinians being moved, uh, relocated to make way for Jewish settlers. Probably towards the end of that, because, I mean, there, there would have been a lot of territory, a lot of space at the time. So... During all this as well, Israel had to contend with constant attacks from Palestinian Fedians, so a Palestinian paramilitary group, terrorist group, uh, against Jewish civilians, and they were ducking in and out of the new Egyptian border that had been made. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so Israel's probably it probably feels a really by itself at the time. It's surrounded by these four countries that not long ago tried to invade it and have annexed some of its territory. Um, it's a, a new nation. It's not getting support uh, from Britain in the way that it used to. It's not getting security forces from Britain. It's probably feeling pretty freaked out. Mm-hmm. So then in 1956, France and Britain come along with a plan to invade Egypt. So they want to take control of the Suez Canal and secure uh, it as a trade route for Western powers because Egypt had too much control over it and were being dicks. <laughs> So they came, they came to Israel as a launching off point um, and Israel agreed because they saw it as a way to gain useful allies and also secure its borders because at that time the Palestinian Fidian had been jumping in and out of the Egyptian border to do their terrorist attacks and then go back. Not just the Egyptian border, that would have been all around, but that was an opportunity the for them to close off one border. Okay. Where, but where were they from? Were they Egyptian? No, so they were they were from Palestine. They were Arab Palestinians. Okay, but then they would go through Egypt. Yeah, because they'd been forced out of their home during the um, uh, nineteen forty eight sort of push by uh, the the Jewish paramilitary forces to take control of the country after all those riots. Okay, I see. I see. So they, so the Jews would have seen it as self-defense. These people are rioting and attacking Jewish communities. I'm sure the the Arab Palestinians would have seen it as I'm being forced out of my home. Yeah. So this is 
this is I, I, this is just really sad, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've just you've just had France and Britain team up with Israel to retake the Suez Canal. I don't even know what happened with that in the end. I think they had to give it back, um, but they negotiated for you know more uh, trading rights and stronger borders. Blah blah whatever. So. Israel then would increase its territories 10 years later in the Six-Day War. So in May of 1967, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and Iraq uh, began to mass forces along the Israeli border, uh, and Egypt evicted UN peacekeeping forces. So all signs were that they were going to get ready for an attack. They were going to invade Israel again. And Israel just said, how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? And <laughs> they launched a preemptive attack on June 5th. So the resulting war lasted six days uh, and Israel fucking dominated and they reclaimed much of their lost territory of the original Palestine and some extra, I think. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Israel fucking absolutely bossed out (laughs) and absolutely killed it uh, and retook Palestine. In 1967, mm-hmm. I think they completely defeated Jordan and Syria. Uh, they didn't completely defeat Egypt and Iraq, but they they pushed back hard on all these invading armies. Okay, and the war only lasted six days. It just makes you wonder, though, with all these conflicts, is anyone actually like living there, or are they just sending military groups in to fight each other over land? I it's probably it's probably a really good question in this instance because most often yes there are people living in these areas when two nations go to war or one nation gets invaded there's people living in those areas it's not just empty land that's being fought over um forces are pushing towards cities because those act as strongholds and a an anchoring point for your invasion and you can move forward from there you're not just going over open land but in this case, I honestly don't know because on one hand, I mean, so many people had been forced out of Palestine, but then it had got invaded again, what was it, 20 years before this six-day war. Uh, so maybe a lot of those Arab Palestinians had moved back into those regions. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. There's so much movement going on. There's Arab Palestinians going out, Jewish immigrants coming in, Borders constantly shifting and moving, terrorist attacks maybe forcing people from southern regions near Egypt up towards the the cities. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of the land was fairly inhospitable too. Yeah, and it's also hard to tell as well with your news sources and then even you're not even there yourself. Yeah. As well. Oh, I suppose back then they were much more into the -the on-the-ground reporting sort of thing. True. Very true. Rather than cutting to their correspondent in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is true. But I mean, then, even then, like, biases can seep into your reporting as well, you know? Yeah. And, like, depending on where you're getting your, your news from as well, you could be receiving all this information. And then, it's, it's like you said, there's two sides to every story. So, it's just... well. It's one of the big points that Chomsky talks about in manufacturing consent in that a lot of media get their news from centralised sources that are deemed uh, reliable sources, and a lot of the time those are government sources, so government agencies doing press releases, press conferences, things like that, and especially in the, the US, it's all filtered down from the top and people who don't conform or don't agree with that viewpoint necessarily are seen as unreliable sources the government is seen as the most reliable source of information and it filters the information down to the media and they report on it as so and if someone's not reporting on the things that they want then they don't necessarily get access to that reporting and they're behind the eight ball and they they miss out there you go okay why was i talking about that what did you say just before that i was just talking about like as a reporter your own biases seeping into your reporting and things like that and yes so not even so yes your own biases but also the biases of your government or the um reliable or the credible uh source of information the biases of those as well 
Yeah, so, so after after the Six Day War, Israel had to contend with the ongoing hostilities with attacks from Arab groups and nations, and then possibly most notably the 1972 Munich Olympics, where their athletes, some of their athletes, were taken hostage and killed. I didn't read up too much on that. If you want to read up on that, go see Munich with Eric Banner and oh. Daniel Craig. If there's a movie on it, I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm not going to research it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's, that's uh, fair and enough. then, when, when when did that one come out? 2008, I want to say. Let's have a okay. let's have a look. Munich film. Ah, uh, damn, 2005. Oh, that was pretty close. Shit always goes down at the Olympics, doesn't it? Such as um, the the Cold War one with the Americans and the Russians. Was it the Americans and the Russians? Oh yeah, we're, someone in the, the Americans. The Americans boycotted the Olympics one year when it was in Russia, so then the Russians boycotted it the next time. No, uh, there was that water polo match. Ah, oh, the yeah, I I can't I know what you mean. It was just like yeah, just they called it huge... like the, the bloody bloody water match or something because the pool ran red with blood. <laughs> blood, and they stopped. I I think the TV was around then. They stopped televising it because the the water just went like you know. I, I don't think it was the US. It was Russia, and it might have been a country they just annexed or did some or something. Yeah, with. and it was on. There was no sport it anymore. Was it was just, fucking on. But I can't like. I'm trying to think because you're not touching the ground in that one, are you? No, nah, you're like constantly treading water treading water and they're drawing blood like the to get that force when you're treading water as well so uh, water polo players are fucking crazy because they're treading water <laughs> constantly a lot of the time with just their legs not their hands because they want to use their hands to try and defend opposition players and to throw balls or if you're the goalie to you know swat away stuff so that you're not always using your hands and your feet sometimes you're using just your feet to tread water and how long does a water polo game last for? I have no idea. I'm, I'm Googling that because I yeah. just imagine water polo would be the hardest thing. Four eight-minute periods. Oh, well, that, that's not that bad. Water, I take it back. Water polo players are pussies. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no? Did that come through? What? Oh, I, uh, um, Link started playing on a different website and i was like ah noise god damn it are you watching porn again no again what do you mean again are you gonna do a ben fordham on us i don't do these those things i have a girlfriend now i don't need don't need the internet anymore (laughs) my god she's right behind you isn't she (laughs) don't move her vision is based on movement blink twice oh wait it's a podcast you can't see me tap the mic twice if she's right behind you No, I'm Tap safe. the mic once if I'm talking too loud and she can hear me. <laughs> I'm safe. I have, we have headphones on and she's in the van, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, and and sorry, and then also um, in 1976 there was something called the Yom Kippur War, where uh, Israel uh, managed to defeat a surprise invasion from Egypt and Syria during Yom Kippur. Okay, Yom Kippur. That's a that's a Jewish one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a Jewish holiday, the Day of Atonement, I think. Ah, <sighs> why are they always going after each other in the holidays? That's meant to be the festive time. I'm just looking at it. It is the holiest day of the year in Judaism. There you go. They generally observe this holy day with a day long fast and intensive praying, often spending most of the day in synagogue services. So that's a well. I mean, if you're going to attack, that's a great time to attack. Yeah. I mean, if Egypt and Syria are mainly Muslim, I'm assuming I don't know for sure, like they don't have to observe Jewish customs. If the Jewish people want to have a holiday on that particular day and it stops them from doing stuff, that sounds like a them problem. If I want to invade them, I'm going to take that opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like a dick move to me. War is a dick move. Yeah. All's fair in love and war, so so they say. Who said that? Shakespeare? I don't know. Oh, that's a good guess. All's fair in love and war. Uh, 
A proverb attributed to John Lilly's Euphius. Whatever the hell. Who they? On Oh, John Lilly's Euphius. <laughs> so an English writer. That? What the hell is a didactic romantic? So it's attributed to Euphius, the anatomy of wit. A didactic romance written by John Lilly in like 1578. Wow. And it's so that quote has survived that long. From yeah, it's a good novel. one. Hmm. There you go. I looked up a quote the other day. I wish I could remember what it was, and it wasn't the other day. It was like a couple of months ago. But it was attributed to two different people in history. Okay. And I was like, well, you going to elaborate on that? Well, I was just like, wouldn't you just credit the first guy that said it? I know, what if it was like so far, so long ago that there was no possible way that either one of them could have heard it from the other person within okay. the, that sort of time period, and they both came up with it independently? Like, that's Possibly. noteworthy. I mean, that's possible. What was the quote? I'm trying to remember it now. It's gone. It's I've, I've failed. I can't even do. Can't even bring that. <laughs> Why do you suck so hard? I'm getting better. I'm getting there. No, you're not. <laughs> I think you've you're sliding back. You've backslid. No way. I have a family now. I have two dogs and two guinea pigs. I have to care for them. You're in the bush. You can release them. They'll care for themselves. It's fine. I was almost going to say, that's not a family, but I was like, nah, dogs are a family. I can release one. Evie's all right, but Shiloh's got like separation anxiety. That sounds like a Shiloh problem. She's got to get over that. He he does. No, he's a good boy. Shiloh is a girl's name. No, Shiloh. Well, I'm not as sure on that one, but I think it could still be a girl's (laughs) name. Well, I met a man called Shiloh, so... Did he have dreadlocks? No, he didn't. But he was from Are you Bio sure? Bay. <laughs> did he have a goatee? I can't remember. It was a long time ago. He, fu- he fucking did, didn't he? I don't think was so. Was he wearing shoes? Probably not. Just singlets. <laughs> oh, Daffy Duckin' it. I met him in Thailand, so this was a long, long time ago. Donald Duckin' it, not Daffy Duckin' it. God damn it. Anyway, go on. You met him in Thailand. Oh, that's it. It was a long time oh, ago. Okay. That's all. I was in Thailand a long time ago. That's how long ago I met him, so I can't really remember. All right. So with everything we talked about with Israel and Palestine there, um, what are your feelings on it at the moment, how things have played out now? Bearing in mind, there's also like a, what is that, like a 50-year period there where we've not, where I haven't done any research. I don't know what happened in that 50 years. Uh, I don't know. It's really tricky. Like, I get it. I totally get it. It's like my brain was kind of like, oh, why don't we just set up a new Jewish state and move the the Jewish peoples to this place that's more friendly and less hostile? And then it's like, okay, well, where do you put that? And then if you try and move all the current, you know, Jews out of Jerusalem, they might be like, oh, no, you're doing the Holocaust again. Stop it. And then they start kicking off. And then it's just more bloodshed. And it just seems tricky. Look, the way I look at it is that as far as I'm concerned, it's it's no longer Palestine anymore. It's Israel. There was a, okay. a civil war. The Jews took control. They defended the country against multiple invasions. They built the infrastructure. I don't think it's necessarily Palestine anymore. I think it's... Israel, Israel now. And, sorry, I, did, I said Jerusalem, didn't I? I meant to say Israel. Yeah. But at the same time, I would have thought that the Israelis would be able to empathize with the Palestinians more than anyone. They've essentially swapped roles. They've reversed roles in that the Palestinians are now the So the, the Jews early on were the ones fighting for uh, their own nation state, uh, protecting themselves, uh uh, and sort of building Israel against a um, a different ethnic group that had that was the majority in the country and was mm-hmm. restricting their movements, was restricting immigration into the country and accepting the number of Jews in the country. They've essentially reversed that role where the Palestinians are now the ones whose movements are restricted. They're fighting uh, in paramilitary and terrorist groups to retake the country or defend themselves. Like... I, I and and Israel are the ones now in the majority 
with superior weaponry, detaining Ooh. people, being pretty brutal. Do you need to go? Um, no, we've just got some visitors in the communal area, so it should be all right. Just, are, just they, some are they Mossad? Are they, are they the Jews? Have they come to take no, you? No, 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 no. There just might be some background noise. Which is all right, fine. that's okay. So yeah, they've, they've essentially swapped roles. So I would have thought that the Israelis would be able to empathize more with this. Yeah, but I mean, then again, is it just fresh people, like fresh blood, so they don't really care? Well, there might also be some political sort of stuff to gain with it as well. So the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu at the moment, he's not got a majority government, I believe. So recent, so these sort of conflicts could potentially improve his popularity among the population and he could improve his standing at the next election. Uh, yeah, so there, there might be some political stuff in play there as well where the leadership in Israel at the moment may not want to do things differently or compromise because they portrays them as strong nationalists and might increase their voter base. And I think they, okay. I think, uh, I think I can cite uh, something similar here. So uh, in early 2000s, uh, there, there was a similar sort of period of, you know, high violence and Israel asserting itself in the area. And the uh, premier, uh, prime minister at the time, you might need to clean all this bit up in editing. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Uh, it's, it's totally fine. I, I'm, I'm I'm back on the uh, position now, so I just chop stuff out and leave ums in there. I I'm just like, you know what? It's that that's how we want this podcast to run. Sloppy editing from me, and yeah. we just so get the job done. <laughs> essentially, in the early 2000s, there was a politician called Ariel Sharon, and she had a strong stance on this, and it sort of garnered a lot of uh, support, and she won power at that time so he might be doing the same sort of thing here to bolster using the same tactic to bolster his supporter base and okay get back into a majority government so it's not all necessarily just um you know an ethics uh, a sort of empathy thing between people that might be playing a part in it but i still think the israelis should be able to sympathize more with the uh, well, and now I'm calling them Israelis and Palestinians because I think Israel's clearly won that war and they've yeah. they control the they control the area. They've established themselves. It's Israel now. Yeah, and especially say, and, uh, military weapons from America. Not just America; they buy a lot from France, the UK, Italy, Canada. I think they even buy some from us. Hmm. Not not to the same extent as those, obviously, but yeah. yeah. Um, and also, the, the Arabs had a chance to... So, th like we said, in 1947, they were presented with an option, look, this isn't getting anywhere, it's leading to civil war. What we propose to do is split into two separate states with both of you having access to Jerusalem. The Jewish population said, yes, we would agree to that. The Arabs are the one who said, no, we'll never accept a Jewish state. This country has to be controlled by Arabs. And then they went ahead and lost the civil war. Yeah, so they've sort of done that to themselves. Yeah, they've made their bed, and to some extent they have to lie in it. But at the same time, you can't just let Israel essentially commit war crimes in some instances, attack civilian populations, uh, attack hospitals, hospitals use things, yeah. illegal weaponry, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, that's that's true and fair. So Where the does way the... I look at it is I think Israel is entitled to their current stance or their current level of control and power, but they're not entitled to not reflecting on their own past and looking back to the hardships that they endured and being able to empathise with another group of people. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Maybe they need to listen to this podcast. So maybe that's all they needed. They'll listen to it. They'll listen to your soothing voice and it will sort them out. That's it. Benjamin Netanyahu, I'm talking to you. <laughs> All right, you got to sort this shit out, buddy. Hey, look, look, it happens. I've been looking at our the analytics of you know where where our listeners are from. We've got all uh, over we're the big world. Big in Israel. 
Well, no, we got. Well, look, we got ten no, no, downloads. No, we're, we're in big Spain. in Egypt, but that's quite close to Israel. Oh, Egypt is Egypt on the list? No, no. What would be the closest? Uh, India, maybe Malta, Colombia. No, that's Colombia. Uh, I think look, India's ten, ten downloads from Spain. I don't know where these are coming from. Nine in Germany. Oh, actually, Malta might be quite close. Yeah, I think Malta might be the closest one. It's off the coast of uh, Tunisia, and you can sail straight to Israel from there. It might Malta might be the closest one. Where okay, else is there? Here we go. So you're saying uh, we had ten from where? Spain, nine from Germany, Poland, Romania, Italy, Croatia, Finland. Chile, Canada. I mean, Canada is understandable, I guess, maybe. France, India, Colombia, Malta. This is not the podcast to be learning English from. If this is what these guys are doing. <laughs> Definitely not with me. Couldn't even pronounce bloody occupation. What is this, uh, this, this word you keep using? Uh, how you say, how you say, um. What does this um mean? <laughs> No, no, I cannot find it. it in any books. They all get edited out. It's fine. <laughs> but it seems to be a, a very important word. Whenever you say am, people, you know, stop and they, they, you they admonish really each other. You cannot say am. <laughs> I was just about to say it then. Oh, you're killing me. He if you ask to admonish, but he doesn't know am. From other countries. Hello, welcome. I don't know how you found us, but good job. Keep keep listening, but also get get onto Duolingo or something. Don't just rely on this. <laughs> and also vote. Vote in my Twitter polls, damn it. Yeah, um, everyone start voting in those Twitter polls. Maybe people aren't listening. They're just clicking on it. And they go, oh, shit, just, I clicked on this. <laughs> oh, well. Well, all right, then fine. Keep clicking on it. <laughs> oh, also... This is relevant. I um, relevant to out to us. I have activated the donation section on our Red Circle page, so I believe it's possible for people to send us donations now. Ah, oh, sweet! To actually pay for some actual recording equipment. Yeah, <laughs> maybe pay for uh, your your internet bills while you're out on the road. Possibly. Well, I uh, I've got onto the the old caravan parks internet today so <laughs> get my 500 we, megabytes some... or whatever it is for free which caravan park is it because they must have some good internet this has been a good connection uh gumtree oh got a visitor got a little doggy she's not allowed <laughs> in this area get out of here because it's a no dog area or because no your dog area there? no, no dog. dog area I've been, I've been, I've been I take it back. It's not a good caravan park. All areas should be dog areas. Uh, it's because of the health inspector. He's the jerk. Fuck him. Well, I like the owner. Sounds so like a nerd. Get... Sounds like you should beat him up and just have dogs there. Look, I like the owners. I don't want them to get in trouble. They have literally Sounds got Sounds like the they should beat him up. Maybe they should. Maybe they should. Everyone, they, right, everyone should I... do that. Go beat up your health inspectors. Yeah, fuck them. They're just, they're just nerds. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good sign that we're winding down and we're done with the pod. We're, yeah, pretty much. Uh, as soon as we derail into beating up health inspectors, that's it. So are you going to put a poll up on Twitter seeing as you've got more followers? Yeah, I'll, I'll chuck a poll up. Um, what are we thinking? Should you beat up your health inspectors? Yes, no. Yeah, it's got to be something fresh and new and exciting, yeah? <laughs> I don't know. I can do a few polls. I've got till Monday to work it out. That is true, um, you do. Unless we Although, would just want to pick a topic again, like have you, any topics that have sprung up for you? Uh, not at the moment. Not at the moment? Not at the moment. Excellent. I took I my mean, website we... down. I mean, that's not relevant, but I'll just let you know. Why did you take your website down? It's costing me too much money. 
I figure I'll just run it through the Twitter at the moment. Yeah, fair enough. What's it called? Oh, there you go. That's why we need donations, so you can keep that website up and running. There we go. Yes. Well, I'm thinking what you about mean? doing a new website with actual dot co- with a dot com this time instead of being an idiot and putting dot me because I could. Yeah, you might want to do a dot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking really oilcollective.com, possibly dot au. Links to my podcast, links to my comedy shows, links to Holly's musical performances, all the links. All the links, but no substance. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Linking to empty pages, no content. Just, yeah. All right. All right. Let's <laughs> leave it there. We'll have a little think about topics for next week. Maybe it'll be yes. a surprise or maybe something will pop up during the week that will grab our Ooh. attention. Vaccine rollout? Yeah, it could be an option. How they bundled that? I haven't really been keeping up to date with the news. How, how is the how, any updates on coronavirus or anything? Is it? Uh, it's still good in Australia. The vaccine rollout in Australia is starting to ramp up a little bit, much later than it should have. India is still really, really, really suffering with COVID, which is weird because they were meant to be producing a lot of the vaccine, but now I think they're required. They're contractually required to give those vaccines away to countries that have, you know, paid for it. But they need it in their country more than anyone else. Okay. I had a really weird experience talking about India, actually. I was in a cafe celebrating a 70th, 70th birthday. And the guy that was turning 70, he's fit as anything. Looks like he's maybe 50, if that gives you any context. Um, anyway, we're I celebrating guess. this 50th birthday. And the waitress comes up to us. She's been real nice and friendly. And then all of a sudden, it just her demeanor changed. And she just drops in, you know, like, Oh, we're so lucky to be in this country. What about the people in India? You know, like they, and she just went on this little tirade of that. And then she left. And I was like, just took, her, there, took like, her apron off, dropped her pen and paper, and just walked away. Just left. No, no, just went back in the cafe. But I was like, that was really weird. That was just like, oh, hi, how's your day? Like, here's your tea and coffee. And then just as she leaves, you know, death comes to us all and then just walks away. <laughs> Yeah, it just it was such a bizarre on, experience. On on that note, death comes to us all. Stay <laughs> safe and stay informed. See you, suckers. <laughs>